everyone, Zach here. Quick announcement before we delve into this week's special on the eve of the Rise of Skywalker episode is that, as you know, we have the Knights of Vader Facebook group. Uh, I would imagine we'll definitely be getting some traffic in there once people have seen or listeners have seen actually the Rise of Skywalker. But one thing I want to give a little heads up, a little uh, notice to the current members of the Knights of Vader Facebook group is that I'm going to make a spoiler post for the Rise of Skywalker about anything that happens in the movie. Um, I'm asking everybody in the group, please do not post anything spoilery just to the group as a normal post. If you have any thoughts about the film in a spoilery context, if you have really like, even images, GIFs, anything like that, I please post them in the spoiler thread or just not, again, in the spoiler thread, but not anywhere else because we don't want to ruin the movie for anybody ahead of time. And I'm going to enforce this rule that if I see anything that I deem spoilery and I'm admitting that it is going to be a rather loose and fast rule, I will delete it. But then as of that Monday morning, the Monday following the rise of Skywalker, um, it's fair game. If you want to post spoilers, spoilery stuff. So if you are a member of the group, I advise you see the film, the opening weekend. And if not, definitely um, unfollow the group. So we don't spoil anything for you. So just a little heads up. Just don't want to ruin the movie for anybody prematurely. That wouldn't be fair to you. And if it does happen, we don't want to be responsible for it. So with all that said, enjoy the final episode before The Rise of Skywalker. One, two, three, four. In this podcast, you will be here. Knights of Vader, Knights of Vader. Includes, but is not led to. Talk of Star Wars, not Reagans. We can truly prepare A big thank you to Anne's Superiority Complex for providing our theme song. It is November 15th, 2019. My name is Zach Weber. I am joined today by author... Oh God, John! You have so many like titles I could give you now. I feel like well, author is the one you want to be known as the most now. But you're also a radio host, syndicated columnist. I'm a Renaissance man. By the way, you said November 14th or 15th. <laughs> it's it feels like November 15th. It doesn't feel like December no. 15th. So I don't feel bad no. for saying that. No. <laughs> oh my God! Great start. Great start, everybody. Um, yeah, it's some, it's sometime the end of 2019. That's all you gotta know. It feels like November. It doesn't feel like December. Um, how you doing, John? How, you know what? It's been a while since you and I have talked on the record. It has been a while. It has been a while. You know, our personal hell would be getting to this close to a new Star Wars movie and then going back a month. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. At this point, I would appreciate that. I'm not ready for Thursday. I'm honestly not prepared. God, you know, it's funny you say that because I'm not I'm not either like it's you know, I, I'm, I'm so hyped for this movie. Yet at the same time, there's a part of me going, oh, my gosh, it's Thursday. You know, mm-hmm. like I feel like the world's going to implode or something. It's always just the lead up to any new, you know, not, not so much solo or, or Rogue One. But the lead up to any sort of Star, Star Wars saga film is, is always just I don't know. There's all, all kinds of different emotions attached to it. But uh, I'm not complaining. I've been enjoying the ride. 
Yeah, like that's all you can really do at this point, though. But it's like I've been saying the last couple of weeks on the podcast. It's just that like it feels when it's new Star Wars movies coming out, it's the center of the universe. And it doesn't feel like the rise of Skywalker is the center of the universe right now. And I, I, I mean that even in a Star Wars sense. There's just so much out right now. Um, like in Mandalorian, kind of, I feel weirdly is sucking the air out of the room when it comes to Rise of Skywalker. There's more just, I don't know, like kind of like internet chatter economy on that than there is anything else right now. It, it's really tough to get kind of perspective on it because you know, as every year, as every year progresses, there's more and more information outside of Star Wars and more and more entertainment outside of Star Wars. So it seems like every single year that goes by, it becomes increasingly difficult for a Star Wars film to to sort of cut through, you know, I, and I and I, I, I agree with you. It doesn't it certainly doesn't feel like it is leading up to the hype of, of The Force Awakens. Um, you know, I, I do feel like it is a little bit more hyped than than the last Jedi was. I think there's a, I think there's an excitement to this film in in a, in a much better, more significant way than there was uh, the last Jedi. And I think a lot of that has to do with just the, the, the marketing, the style of film that it is. You compare the, um, the trailers from the, from the last Jedi to the rise of Skywalker. And there's a, there's a definite difference between the two of them, but no, but, but I understand what you're saying. It's a, there's hype there, but it doesn't feel sort of like it's the only thing out there right now in the, in the uh, in, in the cultural zeitgeist. Well, that's the thing I wanted to ask you because, as you know, I'm Mister Box Office. I know you don't like it when when we focus on those sort of things. We can talk but, about it. But it's a weird thing that's going on right now with box office. And the only other time I can think of a similar scenario was when Avengers Endgame was coming out. Whereas for the last like month, there's been no revision in the box office tracking for the Rise of Skywalker. We're still at that 175 to 225 million dollar range for opening weekend, and that number or range has not budged an inch in a month. And I've never seen that before. I've in my 10 years of studying box office nonsense, I've never seen tracking of a film of this size be stagnant. Even to like I think you know Scott Mendelson of Forms, who's really the like the box office person when it comes to like social media. Even all the stuff he's been writing for the last week, he keeps citing the the 175 to 225, and even pro.boxoffice.com, they haven't budged in their official prognostication of this. And it's just, it's the weirdest thing. And I can't help but feel that there's something going on with the numbers. Either Disney's afraid of something, or it's tracking even better, and they're just afraid of kind of... Uh, Letting that show again, it's that poker face mentality, right? I get the feeling. I, I don't know why the I don't really have a thought as to why the numbers hadn't haven't moved. Uh, I think you know your your assessment is probably pretty spot on. I, I get the sense that this is going to be a movie that is going to have some, depending on how it is. I think that the Rise of Skywalker is going to be a movie that potentially has legs to it. You know what I mean? I think there's a lot of question. I think there's a lot of question marks going into it. I think there's a lot of people that, you know, whether or not they're the they're the minority or you know the majority. I think it's the minority, but I think there's a lot of skepticism, obviously, because of the Last Jedi. And I get the feeling that if this movie delivers, that we could be looking at sort of a a good, obviously, relatively speaking to all the other films, a good opening weekend. Um, but I think if it if it if it lands, what you're going to see is oh. 
oh, it was good. Oh, okay, I'll go see it now. I think that you're going to see this throughout the, you know, in, in the weeks that follow. That's my, that's my expectation. Unless Cats just dominates all of it. <laughs> Takes well, away all the Star Wars. Audience. I'm I'm not concerned about cats because I know last I'm time not you e- and I I'm spoke. Not either. <laughs> no, but the thing is, is that no, it's a good point you bring up because I know last time you and I spoke, I had just released that episode where I did my own box office prognostication mm-hmm. on the Last Jedi on Rise of Skywalker, and the big question mark, or the big thing that happened last time was Jumanji. In Jumanji, again, the, the numbers are out for Jumanji, and it did sixty million this weekend. And if you if you look at some again, Jumanji had some of the best Hollywood uh, holiday legs that I can remember for a blockbuster. So there's a possibility that just once again, Jumanji sucks some of the air out of the room, and that's what I'm concerned about. Cats, Cats is a niche thing that that's going to do depending on how much people are into. It's going to do basically what The Greatest Showman did two years ago, give or take maybe thirty million dollars. Um, but Jumanji is one of those things where it's just it's that rock, it's that lowest common denominator entertainment. It's a Big Mac, and so, as we all know. What did it go? No, this is what you were going to say. It's, no, it's it's, it, it's a thing that Jumanji is kind of like again, it's like a, a Big Mac. It's just there. There's no substance to it. Right. No one's going to remember that movie in a year. It's just going to be, oh look, Kevin Hart makes a fart sound. Jack Black falls down. Ha 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 ha. Four hundred million dollars later, here we are. Uh, and that's that's my thing, though, is that it's a much more family-friendly romp than the two-and-a-half-hour-long Episode Nine is. Like, again, there is baggage with a movie that's titled, I don't care what it is, Episode Nine. <laughs> sure. I don't care if it's Star Wars or James Bond. It's just anything that has a nine in its title brings an inherent amount of baggage just intrinsically with it. All right. So what were they – so you said Jumanji made $60 million so far. What was the um... – what was the talk around it? Is that a is that 30, a 30, 30. Are they, ple- are, are they pleased? Is oh, that yeah. oh, a, so it's a good opening? Overperformed because everybody was talking about okay. the, the reviews were kind of middling, saying like, okay, we've done this before. It's the exact same thing as the first movie, nothing's changed. And, and again, the word was Thursday into Friday was like, okay, 30, maybe 40 million. But like you said, oh, but it's gonna make a ton of ton of money over the holidays. And then it opens to 60 million. And that's that it feels like we're in a very similar scenario. What happened to Solo in that Deadpool opens the weekend before. And again, it's it just sucks some of the air out of the room. That and it just feels similar. All right. I saw Jumanji Friday. Okay. And uh so let me let me preface by saying that you're right. When it comes, I, I I want to not care. About the box office for Star Wars, but I care about the box office for Star exactly. Wars. You know, I mean, you want it to do well. I mean, I said as much on my show this week. I want it to do well, and I'll say this much: um, I walked out of Jumanji going, "Okay, that was fun. Not as good as the first one, um, but it was enjoyable." You know, uh, I don't think that I would be. I, you know, I'm a big rewatching, and you know, I, I rewatch movies all the time, and that's kind of my gauge. It's like, well, do I want to rewatch this? Man, when it when it's out. I'll make do. I might do another re- rewatch, but I'll go and watch the first one because I really enjoyed that one. Uh, but I also walked out thinking, okay, Star Wars is all right, because I I walked out thinking that this is not a movie where you're going to have, in my opinion, a lot of repeat viewings. I think that the last Jumanji wasn't. I think that one caught everybody by surprise, mm-hmm. and so that was the uh, no. I went and saw it. It was really good. Oh. Okay, and then that movie had a ton of legs to it. I don't see 
uh, Jumanji, the next level, having that same type of longevity as the, uh, as the first one. It was very much in the same vein of a Pirates of the Caribbean 2, of a Matrix 2, you know, even to a certain extent, even though it killed the box office, Frozen 2, which I mm -hmm. was not thrilled by in the least bit. I walked out just going, and I love the first Frozen, but I walked out of Frozen 2 going, meh. So I could be completely wrong because that movie did spectacularly well and I didn't care for it. But I, I walked out of Jumanji thinking, okay, Star Wars doesn't have a whole lot to worry about with this particular movie taking much of, as you say, sort of the air out of the room. In my opinion, we'll see. I could be wrong. Yeah, again, I, I agree with you because there's, there's this weird phenomenon that's happening in movies. And Rob and I talk about it on Cinemodies. We did a three-hour-long discussion on uh, Disney sing-along songs, Disneyland fun. It's a 28-minute-long infomercial. <laughs> we spent three hours talking about it. But we're in this unique place now in film criticism combined with box office where you can have a movie like The Lion King remake make $1.6 billion and yet it's nobody's favorite movie. Nope. Nobody particularly likes it, nope. yet it made all the money in the world. And you look at that and go, how on earth does that ha happen? And that's kind of like, again, we're in a new a new world when it comes to box office stuff. All the rules from 10 years ago are more or less, I don't want to say gone, but they're not really applicable anymore. And Disney is more or less responsible for throwing those rules out. <laughs> um, again, I think this was about 10 years ago. Rush Limbaugh said it was the summer that uh, Transformers Revenge of the Fallen came out. And he goes, this is the worst reviewed film of the year, but it's the highest grossing. And you look at that, and at the time, this is before Avatar came out, and you go, oh, how do you make sense of that? And I'm just like, I don't know. And that's why I feel like The Rise of Skywalker. Everybody's saying is that, like, okay, this is not going to make as much money. Clearly, it's Avengers Endgame worldwide. That, that, I, I conceded that months ago. Without China, Star Wars is never going to be on top again. But you look at even the domestic box office, the U.S. and Canada, and... I don't know. Again, it's going to have holiday legs. I agree with you. That's just that's baked into the equation with releasing a film this time of year. But at the same time, you need that opening weekend to goose things. And this is where I have to ask you because this is this is not going to be a, a rumor spoiler episode. But considering that you are God, you are elbows deep in Rise of Skywalker spoilers and rumors. Call uh, me Burger King. <laughs> uh, you're not wrong uh, but my question my question is to you then i know i've been kind of prodding you with these questions for the last yeah, yeah. like month and i want it on the record because I, I don't think i'm not sure if you remember this that last time you and i spoke we called benny and wise being let go from lucasfilm even though it doesn't right. sound like a radical thing we actually called it we're like well they're gonna get let go or they're gonna quit or one of the uh, combinations of scenarios is going to happen so my question again i've been asking you this for the last how many weeks in text message form but i want on the record now how do you feel what is the conversation you and i are going to be having a week from now based on what you've read oh my gosh are we going to be here doing the exact same thing where we're going to have to circle the wagons around this movie and say we have a lot of malicious malevolent people out there just attacking it because it didn't give them what their six-year-old brains wanted I don't, th okay, here, okay, let me, uh, I'll answer it this way. I'm going to say yes, but I don't think it's because of, I, I don't think that there's anything the movie can do to stop that. Okay. Does that make sense? Like, I just, I just, I, I don't think we're in a world anymore where you can have 
a movie this significant come out and there not be a myriad of reasons why people would push back against it. Now I'll get into without touching spoilers, I'll get into a bit of the story in and of it of itself and my my view of how the fans are gonna are, are could potentially receive that. Um, but be that as it may, I feel like from what I know of the movie, I feel like J.J. Abrams was con- uh, was J.J. Uh, Abrams and Chris Terrio were consciously aware that there's no there's no way you're going to be able to make everybody happy with this final film. You're just you're just not going to be able to. It's a much different situation than you have with Avengers, in my opinion. Avengers is a very uh, it, not easy, but you've already sort of embedded your out. You've embedded your finale. You've been building for ten years to have that moment where a bunch of you know, myth uh, a, a bunch of magical circles show up and everybody arrives and takes yeah. out, you know, Thanos. Yeah, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> so you, there's, there's no way you're not going to end with that happening and that not being one of the, you know, biggest jaw-dropping moments in relatively cinema history for sure. pop culture superhero fans. And I think J.J. Abrams and Chris Terrio went into this movie knowing that, and I think they created a film that they wanted to create that they felt was... For them, like the most exciting story. Uh, but because of that, you've got a story that uh, you're going to walk away from, you know, having certain emotions and your headcanon for a lot of people of how they think this whole thing should end is going to be pushed back on because you're not going to be able to you're not going to be able to land this ship and 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 match everybody's headcanon, you know, for the final for, for the final act. When it comes to the actual story itself, I, I honestly don't know how the fandom's going to take it. I know what I've read. Um, I really like it. And I liked it just off of the bullet point fashion at which the leaks were presented, which okay. is, you know, missing a ton of context, context and connective tissue and dialogue and tone and humor. But I'll say this, knowing what I know of the film and seeing some of the recent trailers where they get into very, and show at length specific scenes, they look amazing, comparatively speaking to what I read and already liked. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And I've seen a lot of people online in the forums saying the same thing. People that are like, this movie's going to be awful. If these leaks are true, this is atrocious. Oh, my gosh, what have they done? Then they saw the trailer. They saw the scene that they already read about, and they went, oh, that looked really rad. Maybe I was wrong. So, um. Either way, I think as of next, when we get to next week, um, we're going to be having conversations about, you know, where the fandom lands and how frustrated certain fans are. And because I think they're kind of I think they're going to be splitting it right down the middle, in my opinion, based off the based off of what I know of the ending. I think it's going to be one of those things where depending on what you wanted, you're, you can be a little bit happy and a little bit sad or a little bit sad, and a little bit happy. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, I can, I have some questions about that. Like, I, I agree with you. The first thing you stated was in today's day and age, you can't, is, some group is always going to be mad. And of course, because now that people can make money off of their hatred for star Wars, i.e. YouTube, um, that's never going anywhere. You give them what they want on a silver platter. They're going to attack it. Right. Because once you introduce money into the equation, any sort of rational thought goes out the window. Um, but the thing is, and I think I mentioned it, this was months ago now, I'm not going to bring it up now because at this point I don't want to delve into it, but I think you know what I'm going to get at. Is there, from what you've read, an answer it as a yes or no, or a you can plead the fifth, 
is there a sequence or sequences or scene where this film apologizes for the last Jedi? Does Luke apologize for how he acted in the last Jedi? There we go. Folks, if well, you're listening uh, to this, I, okay, I can see on, his face. My, he had the face. My, my instinctive reaction is no. Okay, is no. But uh-huh. Uh-huh. What there, there is one thing that if it does happen is very it can, it it's it's very subjective over whether or not Okay, here here's here's, here's a perfect example. There is one moment that I know of that is on par with the Laura Santeca, this will begin to make things right. Oh dear. Okay. Oh but, dear. Okay, but as we know, that's been interpreted a lot of different ways, but that never really grew into, at least I don't I don't think that it did. That never grew into something that people really latched onto a bunch. I just remember we kind of all talked about it, like that was mm-hmm. supposed to be a sort of, uh-huh, see, we're making Star Wars better again, and whether or not it, it was supposed to do that or not, I, I, I don't know. But there is one particular moment that is a moment just like that. I will say, though, that if it does happen... It's probably that Laura Santeca moment plus five. Oh my God. Oh my God, John. <laughs> I almost oh wish I could God. tell you. See, okay, let me put it this way. It's Zach, if I told you what it was, you would you would not you you would be like, that's gonna be divisive. That's gonna be Oh, there you go. Okay, so you answered my question then. But me. I know you'd we, be around the <laughs> But you know okay, you know okay. I think everybody knows at this point that I am less concerned about the movies themselves. And I'm more concerned about the narratives around the films. Sure. I think I've, I've made that my, my rally and cry for months now. And, and the problem is that all you need is that one sound bite. Like, look what's like you, you, you saw it in the last couple of weeks. Daisy Ridley made some comment that was taken out of context about like, Oh, I didn't like the way things were going. And once again, we had Ryan Johnson tied up and we were lighting him on fire. And it's like at this point, it's like, oh God, people can for once can we just take a comment at face value? I know it's not that's not how we do things anymore with social media. But like we've already again, Ryan Johnson must be a witch or something because we've burned him at the stake so many times, yet the guy is still able to walk around. And that's what my thing is, is that like if you have that one scene in the film that is that, and I hate using this term, the dog whistle to YouTube. Where it gives them, because John, you can if, if what you're saying is true and how you're making it out to be, how many YouTube thumbnails are we going to see come Friday morning? Oh, I, based off of what I of this little thing, I, I, I honestly don't think a bunch, um, and I think a lot. I think it largely depends on how it's um, how it plays out in the in in the movie. Um, I, I don't think pe- I think I think there are much bigger things that people will latch onto, specifically the end, and that's the big question mark for me is because. I, I don't I don't think that the end the exact ending has got I don't think the the meat of the ending has has been put out in public. I think the framework of the ending is there okay. uh, from what I've read. Uh, I think there are portions of it that are there, but I think there's some very specific things that they've been keen to keep under wraps. And so I think whatever that ends up being will be your will be your 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 clickbait YouTube video headlines for a lot of the not my Star sure. Wars. Way, way, way more than the little thing that I'm that I'm referring to. Which by the way, I really hope I look at this way. As somebody that loves The Last Jedi, I really hope that that thing happens. Because I think it has the potential to play out in a really good 
uh, yet provocative and relevant way. I really hope that that particular thing actually does happen, even though it could be divisive. I wish I could tell you what it was. Oh, that's fine. No, again, <laughs> maybe once we're done recording, I'll ask you because there's a couple of things I need to know going into this. Not specifically, but just be advised with because if there could be something that happens in this, like you've mentioned, if it's playing out as I as I see it, that something like that will take me out of the movie and it will just make me angry for it for the rest of the movie. Because there's a, I'm not sure you saw Doctor Sleep, I would imagine, right, John? Uh, no, I never, I never, I never. I oh, never you never saw Doctor Sleep. Oh, no. I was going to. I never had. I never had. I never had a chance to. Oh, okay. Because there's a moment. Okay, this is a perfect example of this. Um, I am a huge Stanley Kubrick fan. Um, kind of worship the ground that he walked on. And Doctor Sleep happens. If anybody knows their, their Stephen King history, Stephen King hates Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Again, he's never shut up about it for almost forty years. And Doctor Sleep comes out, and it's essentially a weird nostalgic retread of the first film and the ending is genuinely insane that like for for a movie that king hated that he let them do that but there's a moment in doctor sleep that makes no sense so badly i think i almost had a stroke during it i can literally not tell you it's a sequence goes on for five minutes and the scene was driving me nuts i could literally not tell you a single thing that happens during it because it took me out of the movie that bad oh wow because my my brain could not process that and I've got a feeling this is going to happen during the Rise of Skywalker at least once. There's going to be some moment. Maybe it's me. Maybe I am the uh, uh, bizarro, not my Star Wars YouTube, where I'm looking for it in a very different sense, just looking to kind of have that uh, fuse ignited. And that's that's my only concern with this movie. Because, again, I think we've made it both clear. J.J. Abrams is a quasi-populist filmmaker. Um, I, I think we both can agree he's not an auteur in the sense that Ryan Johnson is. But I feel that he will he will include these things in there, like you mentioned, the Lor Senteca line, just to kind of pat certain people patronize certain members of the audience. Yeah, maybe. Um, this particular thing I think is more clever than I I I, I would uh, I would I would put this particular moment in something that was more akin to being clever and trying to be funny and irreverent than than a nod to fans who were mad at The Last Jedi. But you were, let me ask you this, because I know that the first episode of Mandalorian bugged you a bunch for some, of the, uh, some of the blatant, you know, sort of little nods that were directly lifted from other films. Did you watch this week's episode? Episode six, right? Yeah, yeah, the one with the, with the bounty hunters going on the prison ship. Yes, this is okay. the best. It's it's okay. This context that John knows what he's getting himself involved with here. Um, I think it's I think it's the best episode of the series so far, and it's everything Star Wars should ever strive to be. It's, okay, it's, so that being said, I can't. I I have no idea what your take's going to be because I watched it and I thought of you because I thought for sure. Because my wife even said that this episode this week had the most nods to other films and other Star Wars lore than any other episode did. And I was fully, well, yeah, are you? No, you this episode, this episode was purely, it's yeah. It, not it's in Star a bad Wars way, no, not in a bad way, but, but between the, the Gungan, is there a Gungan under there? And then him doing the Gungan voice, the but droids that, the droids that were going through the ship were the droids that were in front of the sand crawler in a new hope, but they were floating. The big boxy security ones, those big round ones that the yeah. horn. Yeah. There was yeah, yeah. There were a bunch of the the dude Burr's character floated like three or four, like really specific, and I loved it. But I thought, oh, Zach's gonna be pissed at this. Oh no, Zach's pissed at everything. That's my life story. <laughs> but 
But no, this was different because, okay, because okay, in the Knights of Vader Facebook group, we're always having this discussion. Everyone's like, when the fourth episode came out, everyone's like, oh, this episode's horrible. And the joke was, Zach's going to love it. And narrator's voice, yes, Zach indeed loved it. <laughs> and, and, and the thing is, is that like, there's two types of nostalgia out there. As of now, you have the Force Awakens nostalgia where it's just blatant punch you in the face with it. Then you have the more subtle kind, which is like, okay, we're going to do Star Warsy things. It's the it's the Force Awakens versus Rogue One. Like it makes sense that in the world of Star Wars, Gungans are seen as annoying. So when Bill Burr is making fun of him, that makes sense. The sort of nostalgia that doesn't work in Star Wars is uh, Guy McFace sitting at the Mos Eisley Cantina the exact same way, and it's shot the exact same way that Harrison Ford was shot. It's like, no, that sort of stuff is bad. It infuriates me. That's the sort of stuff that the fans latch onto and point toward. And like, see, this is real Star Wars. This is real Star Wars. And it's like, no, making, I guess, I think it's um, even Red Letter Media, they did something recently. And they were talking about that, like, oh, certain fans just have to accept the fact that by having like Jawas, that doesn't make it uh, uh, a retread. And it's like, no, of course, they're part of the Star Wars universe. They're in, they're woven into the fabric. What makes me mad is having like verbatim the same shots and themes. Like the first episode of The Mandalorian gotcha. is just uh, not Boba Fett in his badass adventures. And you have the second episode, and I think it, I want noted too. The reason my my favorite episodes so far are episode two and six, and they're both directed by the same person, Rick Fumayima, I think his name yep. is. I, hopefully, I pronounced that correctly. And I think he understands Star Wars maybe better than anybody else on the crew does. Like the Dave Filoni episodes make me want to pull my hair out because he's just doing the the nostalgia with a capital N. And it's like, no, I, it's like, that's, that's the worst part of this. It's like, it's everything you've seen before. I don't want that. And I, I cause I did eventually watch the uh, rise of Skywalker clip. The one with uh, the, the giant upside down temple or upside down pyramid temple. Okay. So uh, that was the scene. I, I finally broke down, it, but that was the scene that we were talking about. And I'll, and I'll double back to that sure. when you're finished with your, with your, with your rant. No, I'm done. Go ahead. No, okay. no, that that's my differentiation. That's the dichotomy of nostalgia. in the world. Okay. Okay. So, so he, here's my thing. First off, I think that what I know of the rise of Skywalker, um, I think you'll be pleased. I, I, and that's what I'm excited about. I feel like that this is not derivative of return of the Jedi, except for some really subtle things. I mean, more just certain characters that are, that you would compare to original trilogy characters that happen to be together in a similar circumstance, but it's not like we're, we're going we're not going sort of beat for beat like we did with The Force Awakens. And that's what, I mean, I'll, I, I, that's what has me probably the most excited for The Rise of Skywalker is the fact that I'm such a J.J. Abrams fan. I mean, I, and I've mentioned this, I think, every time I've been on your, on your show. Um, I, I find his movies incredibly rewatchable. I mean, I love Mission Impossible 3. Um, I like The Force Awakens. I mean, I love The Force Awakens, but I also understand how derivative it is. Um, to me, this is J.J. Abrams. All right, I'm coming back. I'm doing Star Wars the way that I want to do Star Wars. I don't have to, you know, adhere to sort of any box at all. We're closing this thing out. And he brought in Chris Terrio and everything that I've read in the past couple of weeks based off of what Chris Terrio tried to do with this script has me even more excited because this is a guy that I knew nothing about that as I've read about him, um, he gets it. And went real deep into the lore. Talks about how he had um, Pablo Hidalgo on speed dial. 
this guy in crafting the story, I think, was exactly what J.J. Abrams needed, even more so than Lawrence Kasdan. Because I don't think Lawrence Kasdan was really all that deep into the, the lore or cared. You know, yes. I, I, but I think Chris Terrio was like, hey, if we're going to close this out and wrap up all nine films, then we've got to pull in these things from the previous films and going all the way back to the prequels that really legitimately makes this movie number nine, even though it's its own film. That's what that's why I'm so excited. And especially because J.J. Abrams has the reins off. I mean, he's basically, you know, I'm doing a J.J. Abrams sci fi movie and. And I don't have to worry about this adhering to any sort of, you know, preconceived idea of bringing Star Wars back or having to hit the same notes as A New Hope or anything like that. That's the one thing I am excited for. The fact that J I know back when J.J. was signing his like half a trillion dollar deal with different movie studios. You remember you made a comment being like, oh, I hope like Disney gets in. And I didn't want him part of Disney for many reasons, but the main reason now in retrospect is I love the idea that Di he doesn't feel beholden to Disney because now he has his next gig lined up. He's, he's fine for the next, I think what that, that's a 10 year long deal. He has with Warner brothers right now and that he can do whatever he wants with this within, within reason. He can't go all David Lynch on us, but I, I like the idea that he doesn't have to be afraid. He has his next gig. He had in a weird way. He has a quasi form of tenure in yeah. that as long as he delivers a, a competent finished product, no one's going to really tell him anything specifically. He's not walking on eggshells as he was with episode seven. And I like that. I really like the idea of for the first time, maybe in his entire career, JJ isn't tethered by something. He's not on a leash. And that's kind of my greatest hope for this. But at the same time, though, he's also J.J. Abrams. Like, Super 8 was a movie where he really, that was his one for you, one for me. In the sense that he was allowed to kind of do anything he wanted with that. And we get this weird Godzilla E.T. movie that really doesn't have any sort of identity of its own. It's Again, it's a very nostalgic film from that sort of 80s era cinema. And nothing against Super 8. I, I watched it once. It was fine. Um... But I guess one of my questions for you, and again, this is another one why I want you to answer yes, no, or plead the fifth, is, is somebody who's listens to Knights of Vader regularly. You know my uh, bizarro, morbid fascination with this. The quote-unquote picking up Thor's, Captain America picking up Thor's hammer in Endgame. Mm -hmm. Do we get a mo are we going to have a moment in that, like that in this film? Where the audience is going to have like a visceral, rabid reaction. Where we're going to sit there. Not, you, you probably saw the videos on Twitter of like people filming their theaters. Heck, when Rob and I saw Endgame, we recorded it. And I've played it a couple of times on here. Where it's just this almost like... Again, I don't want to say people's enthusiasm is disgusting. But it's this roar of just like, like guttural... <laughs> No one should be reacting to a movie this way. If you want to cheer, that's one thing. But to have this weird, like, animalistic just reaction, are we going to have a moment like that in this film? Not that, that I've seen. Not, not that I've seen from the leaks. Okay, that's comforting. Now, that's now, comforting. Now, now, hold on. I'm going to preface this. Oh, God. Okay. I'm going to preface this by saying that I think there is the potential for one, 
But oh, if, no. it's, if it's oh, no. They, no, if it's there, they haven't let anybody know yet. Um, but but from what I know of the movie, um, no, we're built we're building up to a very satisfying, emotional, relevant ending that doesn't require a Captain America grabbing Thor's hammer moment. Okay, that's good. That's 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 my take. Now, again, that being said, there is a huge potential for something like that to happen, but that has not been put forward as okay. any. And then again, this goes to the sort of ambiguity of what exactly plays out in those in the in the in the final, not the final scene, but the the big you know the the big moment you know the, sure. the, at the end of the movie. Well, my question, and we're kind of short on time right now, so I'm trying to pack in as much as I possibly can. Yeah. Uh, we also have the Rise of Skywalker soundtrack leak. And I know what we what you shared with me, and it really didn't, again, you, you have your finger on the pulse a lot better than I do right now. That soundtrack leak didn't get as much attention as I think it should have, or am I wrong about that? Like, within the fan community. Uh, no, I thought it was, I, I, I thought it was, um, I thought the the attention surrounding it was pretty. You know, I don't far. think everybody. I don't think. I don't think there's a ton of people that really get stupid over the over the soundtrack leaks. Um, and well, I know okay. there was a lot of commentary on Reddit about it, and people. And I, overwhelmingly, everybody seems to like it. So maybe that's the reason why. I haven't heard anybody complaining about that oh, soundtrack leak. I've heard, I, all, I've heard nothing but the opposite. I don't mind complaining. I mean. When it comes to, because again, as you know, I've been relatively dark. You and I send things to each other, and pretty much like every single conversation, I send you the emoji with the uh, the whisper to the lips. <laughs> and I was listening to the soundtrack combined with the track listings, and there's a lot to infer from both the musical cues sure. and from the track listing combined with each other, based with the rumors and leaks that I was reading a lot of back during the summer. Because I know one of the track listings is called Parents. And in the Knights of Vader Facebook group, someone's like, oh, I can't believe they're ruining Ray's thing from The Last Jedi. And my response was, oh, baby, it ain't Ray that track's about. That track is, has nothing to do about Ray in that moment. If you listen to the, the musical cues that are in it. And that's the sort of stuff, because you were mentioning it, nobody knows how the ending of the film is, in a specific sense. There's a lot of right. broad strokes you can infer from. But as I'm listening to the final track, and I do know what we got a couple days ago, is a very abridged version, because it's about 20 minutes shorter than it should be. And on top of that, some of the music just kind of cuts off. It just kind of just fades it's all out. New. All it's, all, it's all new music for the Academy. There's none of the old, sure. none of the old themes are, are included. No. And so I know that, though, but that last track... Combined with the title and the other cues that are in it, oh, we—I think it's a slam dunk what the ending of this movie is. Like, it's—it's it's blatantly obvious if you look at all the pieces. And it's like, oh, you only have to kind of squint your eyes. It's there what the ending of this movie is. And I have no problem with it. I think if it does end the way I think it does, I think it's a very cute ending, and I like it for that reason. But it's the writing's on the wall there. And that's why I mean where I'm surprised this didn't get more attention because I think I, I almost felt, I kind of didn't want, want to do one of those things where you write it down on a piece of paper, put it like in a shoebox in the backyard yeah. there, and then come back the day after and be like, see, I got it right. I got it right. See, I, and I, I don't know whether or not we want to have a conversation with this is over or not. So I can find out what you think the ending I'll, is. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you at the end. Cause obviously whether or not you want to know whether or not you were right. Cause I didn't infer that. Like I know. Oh, I know you didn't. 
I know what the no, I mean I I mean that track. Um, I'll have to go back and listen to it now because oh, I know the answer. I know I know what that answer. I know what that answer is. Okay, um, I I'm not you know what this, I'm not gonna give I'm not gonna give away the title of the tracks. That's not fair. You know this this episode's coming out this Thursday. So like in all honesty, this episode's gonna be out within. 18 hours the movie will be out So I don't feel bad but I also don't want to ruin it for anybody I'm not going to say the track listing But we hear Ray's theme In it Okay. And, and you combine that with the title of the track <laughs> And combine it with everything else Beforehand and what you and I have talked About previously if you go back to my appearance On my nerd world from August Oh it's there Like it's blatantly there and you connect it With the things that uh, Kevin Smith said and you're like, oh, it makes perfect sense on on paper. Again, whether it makes none of us have seen which, the movie. Which yet. track number? Let me bring up the track list. We don't see the title, but which track number are you referring to? The very I'm last track. The, the very, very last. last. All right, hold on. Yep. Hold on. Hold on. Oh yeah, it's it's there. It's I I am like I am like Ray and Kylo Ren fighting back to back during the Last Jedi. Well, I got that right. I am that confident about this. Okay. All right. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk when the show's over on that. Well, so you're talking about track twenty three. I sure I, I have okay. them all listed in my in my phone right, just the by their, their name. Okay. Yeah, okay. So no, if you want again, if you want folks, it's out there. Go on Reddit. It's not hard to find any of this information. Um, the tra- the tr- the soundtrack will be out the very next day after this episode uh, debuts. So, um, it's it's there. We're not at this point, John. By the time this episode goes out, we're not really telling anybody anything that they can't find. This episode has about a shelf life of around again eighteen hours, and then it kind of falls <laughs> apart. I'll get it while it's hot, folks. It's it's a fresh pie heavy oven that will deteriorate almost immediately. Well, in retrospect, real quick, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the things that I'm looking forward uh, to this week. Um, when we talk, you know, kind of going back to box office for a moment. Sure. I think that um, overnight Monday into Tuesday is going to be critical because the the premieres Monday night, oh, and then yeah. and then everybody can. And I know that what I'm going to do what I did what I did for both of the other movies. So what I usually do is, so they have the red carpet, and then they do the premiere, and then everybody that went to the premiere is able to give their social media reactions, but then the reviews are embargoed, I think, until Wednesday. So what I usually do is I go in and I pick about 10 people, and I turn on my notifications for them. So I'll wake up up like at midnight and go on to Twitter just to see what the initial reactions are. So I think that's going to be like the pivotal moment, at least in my mind, like what I'm waiting for. It's like, all right. You know, did this movie land? Now, granted, that's also subjective because the reviews on the overnight after the premiere for The Last Jedi across the board were positive. And then that slowly began to change once the movie got released. So you can't put a ton of stock in it. But that's what I'm most that's what I'm looking forward to at the moment, sort of in retrospect, is that that Monday night going into Tuesday and what the um, what the premiere sort of reaction is to the film. That's uh, that's a good point because I, I, I think the embargo, the review embargo lifts. I think Wednesday at midnight, so you are going to have like that, that weird time span where a lot, a lot, a lot of narratives are going to be set in the span yeah, of about twelve about 24 hours. hours worth. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be interesting because again, I, that's when I really kind of just have to unplug the internet. It's like okay, I got to unplug the modem today, <laughs> and like uh, that's the thing though about this is that like I. Maybe John, you've been in obviously "quote unquote" show business more than I've ever been. But when the Last Jedi was coming out, there wasn't this sort of weight on Star Wars that there is now because there is the Last Jedi. Of course, like every Star Wars film being released is the most important Star Wars film until like the next election. film. It's yeah, like exactly. exactly, it's like every presidential election, and 
there there wasn't that much weight on solo because i think everybody's expectations even like people like you and i it was kind of like as long as solo is a, a film as long as it's two hours long and we get to the credits in one piece we'll like it but I feel I, I think it was Scott Mendelson once again on from Forbes who coined the Rise of Skywalker as a. I don't think he was doing this maliciously as a lame duck film because so much of Disney's future of Star Wars is now the streaming service. The movies are so up in the air at this point that it kind of doesn't matter how the Rise of Skywalker does because. I think Disney's attitude is, is that let's say Rise of Skywalker does play out like not much Star Wars wants it to. Let's say it only opens to $150 million and it doesn't get to a billion worldwide. Again, I don't think that's even humanly possible, but stranger things have happened. Sure. I do think that Disney would be like, okay, Star Wars, at least for the next three to five years, is finished on the big screen. We'll rehabilitate it in a few years, but it's going to be a small screen venture, kind of like what Lucas did after the prequels. We're going to keep this a small screen venture. But at the same time, though, if the let's say the Rise of Skywalker does overperform, let's say it does get to two billion, let's say it does, it for Lord knows, help us, let's say it gets there. Like you, I think you mentioned a few months ago. I think it was your um, on your radio show. Your producer, I think she was talking about she was the analogy you gave. She wasn't interested in, in dating anybody, and all it matters is just having that spark. Doesn't matter where it comes from, as long as the <laughs> right. spark is there. Right. And I have. A, I have. A, I have a dating embargo. Yeah, you have that dating embargo right up until the right dude comes along. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I think that's kind of what the rise of Skywalker is. I think Disney's plan for the future is we're going to make Disney Plus or make Star Wars the Disney Plus thing. But if the rise of Skywalker is able to pull off a grand slam, I think it's going to be like, okay, call Ryan Johnson here. We want to talk to him right now. Yeah. Yeah. And he's even said that he goes like, I have my ideas. They're sitting, they're kind of, they're in a drawer and they're waiting for me to pull them out. And that's why I think the narrative of the rise of Skywalker is so important. And this is one last thing I kind of want to transition into before you have to go is, um, back right after the last year that I came out, I always figured that the firewall quote unquote protecting the last Jedi was going to be at the time, the star Wars podcasting cartel. And then, even though they still defend The Last Jedi, they kind of wipe their hands of it. Like, okay, this is not our job. Again, we'll, we'll attack anybody that says raise a Mary Sue, but we're more or less going to leave The Last Jedi defend for itself. But then, in the last two years, and you obviously have an infinitely better understanding of this than I do, it's the Raylo component of the fan base that's really started to protect The Last Jedi. That have really started giving it the critical analysis it should have had from the very beginning. And that's my question is that who's going to, I know I can't, again, this is where you need a crystal ball. This isn't fair to place all of this on your shoulders, but if this film does turn out to be, let's just say half as divisive as the last Jedi is. And like you said earlier, I'm putting divisive in quotation marks. Cause I don't think the last Jedi is divisive. I think it's a, uh, the silent majority is more than happy with the film, but let's say we have another thing on the internet where it becomes a one faction versus the other. Is it going to be some group, like a subset of the fandom, like the Raylos, that are going to try to defend this film? And I know that that's a loaded question in more ways than one, but do you think they're going to be the same group that circles the wagons around this, like they're currently doing with The Last Jedi? It really depends on how that ending shakes out. You know, there's like two different, there's two or three different versions that I know, um, and I think there's one particular version that, yeah, they'll do that. 
they'll circle the, the you know, the, the wagons around this zone and protect it. Um, but I think there are other versions out there where the, the Raylos are going to be going, well, at least I still have the last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's just not going to be everything they want. And that's a, that's a part of it that's, uh, that uh, honestly has kind of annoyed me as well is, you know, I consider myself a, a Raylo only from the standpoint of I would love to see that come to fruition. But I'm also of the opinion that if it doesn't, I'm cool with it. Whatever. You know, I, I don't have the best ideas. I'm not making this movie. And as I've said before, I treat these films as if they're historical documents. You know, whatever whatever happens in them is just what, what ended up what ended up happening. Um, but it's almost as if the um, you know the darkness rises and the light to meet it. I actually think that a lot of the Raylos have gone too far the other way in pushing that particular narrative to the point of absurdity in the same way the not my Star Wars crowd did. I was listening to what to a show the other day and I just had to turn it off because I was like, yeah, I just don't want any part of this because there was just this this genuine concern and fear that their headcanon over Raylo wasn't going to come wasn't going to happen. And they were like, well, if it doesn't happen, then, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm like, well, okay, you know, just not watch the film again. You know? So uh, I, I really do think that the end of this movie is going to play out where if you want to accept it and be happy with it, you're going to have an avenue to do that. And if you want to diss on the film, you're going to have an avenue to do that as well, regardless of whether or not you are a part of the fandom menace or whether or not you're a part of Raylo. And that goes back to the fact that this being the final movie and what's at stake, there's no way for that not to happen. There's no way to make it. There's no way to make everybody happy. And let me make one more. Let me make one quick point going back to something you said earlier. I think I think it's relevant. So this whole conversation, doing the the show that I do, my my news talk show, and we talk a ton about the impact of social media and Twitter. Um, and a real quick example that relates to this, without taking political sides, but it's obviously going to be there in my commentary. Um, if you had the same type of social networking that we have right now, back during the 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 Bush years. I sincerely believe we would be dealing with exactly the same type of situation that we're dealing with right now with the pushback against President Donald Trump, right? The pushback against President Donald Trump is largely perpetuated off of narratives that are built on YouTube, the mainstream media, and definitely Twitter. Um, that's not representative of the majority at large. It's very much... It's very much um, in line with, and you can compare it directly to even Star Wars fandom. And it's really only because we didn't have that back then during the Bush years or even the Obama years as well, that you didn't see the same type of pushback to those particular presidents or the presidents that preceded them. Donald Trump is incredibly divisive, so he kind of ramps everything up to 11, but be that as it may, we now have this ability now to share our thoughts and feelings on a, on a, on a moment's notice without even having to think of whether or not we should. Conversations that normally were resigned to guys like you and I talking Star Wars in our bedrooms, but not really having it go beyond those, those walls. Sure. That, all that being said, Keep in mind that when it comes to Twitter, the data points out that only, what is it, 10% yeah, of the yeah. populations on Twitter. And of that, the majority of content on Twitter when it comes to politics isn't even about politics. So you break that down even further and you get into sort of Star Wars, you're talking about the percentages just start to whittle down and whittle down and whittle down. And we've mm -hmm. talked about this before. 
the majority of the fans out there that are making all the money for these films aren't you and I. And it's not the not my Star Wars and it's not the Raylos and it's not the fandom menace. It's the public at large that goes and sees these movies once, maybe twice, has a conversation with it once, maybe twice, and then is done with it. We're actually in the minority. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? I hardly agree. Oh, yeah. Which makes it really difficult to sort of track whether or not, and again, I think this movie lives or dies just based off of how the masses receive it. And that being said, I guess I'm going to come full circle and say that I think the movie actually will do really well, considering the fact that The Last Jedi was divisive right after it was released and still went on to make a ton of money. I think this movie is going to be way less divisive, way more accessible because J.J. Abrams just makes really watchable films um, and it being the final one. So. Getting all the way back to what you asked before, yeah, we're going to have conversations about things that people were going to be pissed off about the rise of Skywalker, but I don't think it'll be nearly as bad as what the Last Jedi was. How's that for a rant? Yeah, no, no, I'll, no, I'll take that. No, I think that's uh, that's uh, a logical argument right there, which were which is few and far in between nowadays. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's going to be a fascinating. Uh, by the time this episode comes out, the, the that weekend's going to be one hell of a ride because that is a ground zero for so many. It's it's basically that that weekend's going to kind of dictate what the next three years is. Gonna, the conversation will be for the next three years, or until whenever the next Star Wars movie we get is. I'll tell you what I was thinking the other ne- the other day. We could wipe out on this, but we don't have to. I mean, no, we we could. I know we won't, but. Um, I would be really interested to see. <laughs> I'd be really interested to have them go back and to tell uh, Palpatine's story. I think that would be fascinating. When all is said give it and time. done, give it time. No, I'll give it time. But when all is said it, and done, it'll just, happen. Man, you know what? I'd love to see a young Palpatine story, a movie based over, you know, based around that. But that's just again, I'm just sort of throwing yeah, it that could be interesting. I, Depend, I can well, see that. and and that's a largely due based off the fact of. You know, I think of what happens in this film. I'm really excited for this movie. I think, um, I think it has the potential for me personally to be one of my favorites if this thing plays out the way that, that the way that I think it's going to. Uh, based off of everything I read in the leaks and what I know, Chris Terrio was looking at to do with the movie, uh, and and uh, and what they've compared, like the comments that they've made about the Last Jedi and the things that J.J. Abrams has said about how. Ryan Johnson presented him with opportunities that he didn't think he'd have before, just based off of the way that he crafted that movie. Um, I, I really do think that this has the potential to take the stuff that I loved in The Last Jedi and make it even more palatable for the masses in a really, really good, good way. Um, I'm, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm probably too excited. My expectations are super high for Thursday, so we'll see. Well, I, no, I don't blame you for that, but it's, uh, I, I, I don't know what this movie though, because I do this, uh, it's funny this morning at like 7am Rogue One was on TV and that was the film that kind of changed the tide for me with Disney Star Wars. I think I've made no bones about how terrified I was of Star Wars after the force awakens where it was like, Oh no, it's like, if this is what it's going to be, how, again, how old was I when that came out? I was what? 23, yeah, 23 when the force awakens came out. And so a lot of my thing was like, okay, I've built my life around Star Wars. What is it going to be like if this is the future of it? And I was kind of like, oh, no. And then Rogue One came out. And I think one of my biggest problems with The Force Awakens was I, the, the line between entertainment and reality was never – it never dissipated. 
as I, I can still remember watching The Force Awakens that night and being like, I'm watching a movie. And I, I, I know that exact moment. It's with Ray and Kylo Ren's waving his hand in front of her. And I'm like, enough. I'm like, I get it. They're having a, a, a battle of the minds. I don't need this. <laughs> Yet, rewatching Rogue One today, I, I'm, it was funny. It was the last like half an hour of the movie, which is obviously the best part of the film. And I can still remember seeing the Death Star, I'm not, uh, the Star Destroyers, one like shears the half off the other one, and my mind just melted. It was like, wow. And then you have, again, not to, to like, say the entire ending of Rogue One, but I remember walking out of that movie and I was just, I was pumped. I'm like, if this is the, okay, if this is the future of Star Wars, this is exactly what I want. And the same thing happened with The Last Jedi, where I was so caught in the middle of that story. Like, I think most people were. I think that film does a pretty good job of kind of just grabbing you by the collar and not letting you go until the very end. In Solo's its own thing. Solo was a very safe film. But I think Solo's probably the most fun Star Wars movie that'll ever exist. Again, I've, I've equated Solo to a puppy. All it wants to do is be played with. And, uh, <laughs> ma- and mass audiences left it to die in the gutter. And that's my thing with The Rise of Skywalker. Is that Do you think, again, and this is not fair to you, but considering you're my portal into this world. Um, do you think, from what you've read, this is a film that will blend... Or blur the line between reality and Star Wars Like something The Last Jedi or Rogue One or Solo did Or are we going to be very aware that we're watching a Star Wars film as we watch this? No, I think it'll blur blur the lines I think you're really going to like it Based off of what you just said Based off of what you just said And and what I know, you know, about you And sort of even your commentary about what, you know What you like and what you don't like about Mandalorian I think you'll really end up Liking this film. I mean, again, I'm I'm making the assumption that sure everything is going to play out sort of the same way those two scenes. And getting back to that as an example, that trailer with the shot of Kylo Ren arriving on that planet and walking underneath that trapezoid-looking thing and the voices and all that. Um, to read that, read it read those bullet points, but then to see it play out, it was in a completely different ballgame. And there was a lot of people reading it going, this sounds lame. Like, I know there are things in that shot that are hugely significant. Okay. Like, massively significant. (laughs) That when you hear it, when you read it, you go, really? What? Uh, Okay. And then you see that and you go, oh, no, that works. That, well, that, yeah. that, that that works and so well, i and so again and based off of what you were just saying and describing row one no i think you'll uh i think you'll end up i, I think you'll be happy see folks this is a very selfish episode of the podcast where i'm going to sit there and make john just keep kind of like quell my fears and be like john is it gonna be okay is the bad man gonna ruin my childhood well, let me, put, let, me let, let me i'll do my uh i'll do my little my little thing on this when i like, I knew what was going to happen in The Force Awakens because that shooting script got leaked and I was yeah. spoiler-friendly then. Um, and I remember, I mean, I, both the films that you watch, it's really hard. You know, I don't know if you're like me. When you watch any new Star Wars movie, it's really hard to sort of get a gauge on a first. It's such an emotional experience that it's so just like, oh my gosh, we're watching this now that it's really hard to be sort of um, rational about your take on it walking out. And I remember walking out of The Force Awakens kind of like, like a burden was lifted. Like, okay, I, I saw it. And it wasn't until the second and third viewings that I was like, oh, my gosh. And exactly the same thing happened with the, uh, with the Last Jedi. Sure. But I'll say this. When it came to The Last Jedi, based off of the trailers and not knowing as much about that film, 
there were portions of that movie that I was not looking forward to based off of what I knew. Like I wasn't looking forward to going into the movie, the, the Canto bite stuff, you know, like I knew we were going to a casino. I knew that was going to be Rose and Finn's little side story. And I remember from the get go, even seeing some of the, um, the leaked, uh, behind the scenes photos. I was like, ah, you know, I could take her. Leave yeah. that. And it, in retrospect, that's probably one of the moments that most people kind of want to forget about. I've grown to love those sequences, and I watched it last night and really enjoyed it. All that being said, everything that I've read and everything that I've seen of The Rise of Skywalker, I want to see play out. Like, I am genuinely, look genuinely looking forward to every single aspect of this film. And the footage, to me, looks amazing. I think this movie looks incredible just based off the trailer's alone so that's why i'm really excited there's no aspect of this film that i've read or seen so far that has not piqued my interest no i agree with you i think that the marketing for this has been the strongest of all the the, the disney era films um i've always said the celebration 2015 trailer for the force awakens was the best and i still think it is i think that film had a lot of heavy lifting to do and it knocked it out of the park but Across all the marketing, I think The Rise of Skywalker has done the best because whether it be the teaser, the D23 trailer, or the final trailer, I think we're getting a different taste of something different every single time. And it's not, like you said, it, so far it doesn't seem to be hitting you over the head with the nostalgia. And that's kind of my only, again, going back to the concerns of not me, but just the narrative of mass audiences, is that this film, again, from the marketing... What is the plot of this film from the marketing? Other than just Star right. Wars, last right. one for now. And that's, again, they tried that with Solo. It didn't work. They do that with everything Disney. Frozen didn't, any of the Frozen trailers did not tell you what the film was about. Um, the only reason why we knew what the Lion King remake was about was because it's the Lion King remake. And that's the thing, though. Is that, like, again, I, you're right. The Rise of Skywalker has so many different jobs to do. It is literally impossible for them to do it all. It is. And like you say, it doesn't have the luxury of just dumping out every single Marvel character into the sandbox and having them go pew, 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 pew. It, it doesn't have that luxury. But at the same time, though, I, this is Disney behind it all. Excuse me, behind it all. And I just don't know when they get their kind of little their hands into things like from what you've read is disney doing again more behind the scenes stuff like i think what was it like every once in a while we get one of these people like oh i was i worked on the star wars movie and i can tell you what the behind the scenes stuff was has there been anything of like that like oh anybody was disgruntled on the set of this no. or none of those like quote unquote horror stories nope nope nothing so nothing like that so we don't have like no, a narrative nothing. we don't there's not uh, what's the word fertile ground for a narrative of oh the i know you you've seen the stuff too where it's like they've they had 12 endings shot they've reshot the film 20 times over and it all comes from like the same two or three usual suspects yeah. which i again i discount those but I do but there's been nothing like that on reddit or no no not not at all i really hope the narrative coming out of it uh next week is is that i hope and my expectation and i, I i'm probably going to be way off on this but my expectation is that when we start getting into the uh, into the, the the YouTube shows shows and the podcasts after next week. Um, the conversations are going to be swirling around what this movie did to the trilogy as a whole, and then looking back and how it compares to all the other films. Because I think that the Rise of Skywalker is going to add a 
crap ton of context to the last Jedi. And I've already okay. seen, I've already seen people that have been, um, based off of some, Oh, how do I want to word this? I've seen people that have already retroactively been giving the last Jedi a pass, even though they hated it because of certain things that definitely happen in this movie that have an impact on things that happened in The Last Jedi that has changed their perspective. That's... In a positive way. I guess... But again, okay, I get what you're saying. But I guess that will that ties into my, my, one of my first thoughts of does this film apologize? Does, does it make things in The Last Jedi make sense? Or is it retroactively writing over The Last Jedi? No, I, no, I, think, it, I, think, it just adds, I think it just adds relevant context. I, people will be able to easily go and say because... By the nature of it doing that, it affords the opportunity for somebody to then take the stance of, oh, it corrected it. When the reality is, no, it just provided you with a piece of information that you didn't have before. And see, that's the thing for me, too. And I'm weird about this. I'm probably in the minority. In my opinion, episode nine can do whatever the Sam Hell it wants to do for, to the original trilogy or to all the other films. It's kind of like Harry Potter. I don't know if you listened to my show this week, but I mentioned this on the show. When it came to when it came to the last the last story in the Harry Potter series, there were things that happened in that film that have huge, you know, implications on characters that when you go back and watch those other movies, you're going to have this knowledge and it's going to change your viewpoint of them. And for me, The Rise of Skywalker has the luxury of being able to do that. This is the ninth film in this saga closing it out and therefore it has a right to add relevant context and information that may go and change the way that we viewed certain events specifically potentially i don't have evidence of this but potentially the ending of return of the jedi and i know people have been pitching a fit like oh it's going to undo return of the jedi and all this and i don't think it's going to do that but at the same time even if it does a little bit i'm personally okay with that because we're still talking about a continuing story does that make sure. does that make sense? Yeah, Return sense. of the Jedi was no is no longer the end of the story because we have the Force Awakens and the last and and the uh, and the last Jedi. Uh, so I don't know where we're going with that. I was just went on that. No, no, I understand where you're getting from. So I guess like uh, okay, two two last things. One thing is it's it's the easy one, and the second thing is more selfish and it's about me. Uh, the first one is: Is there going to be a sequence in this movie similar to the to the death of Snoke? Whether it be just the event that transpires or just the the scene itself, just between the, the again, the fact that you have the red background with the red guards and you have Kylo Ren and Ray fighting them, where that mm -hmm. was more or less the highlight of the film for most people. Whether you hated the film or you loved sure. it, that was kind of the thing we all talked about that weekend. Um, is there gonna be a moment like that? Is there gonna be one scene in this? And you don't have to be specific if you don't want to, but is there gonna be, from what you've read, one sequence or scene that we're all gonna be talking about? Oh, I think there's a potential for a couple. Okay, that's. But so, I know, I know, I've kind of asked you this already. You said the ending is going to be one of those, but putting that aside, because the ending of any major film, whether it be Harry Potter or any or Lord of the Rings, the ending final scenes always going to be one that's just dissected forever until the next final scene. Right. Um, but do, is there anything like that's going to be a jaw dropping moment on both a visual and on like a narrative level? Yes. Like like Snoke being being cut in half halfway through the film. Yes. Okay. Now that's and it probably, and it probably takes place at roughly the same time frame. 
Ooh, okay. Based on what I remember of the Jedi Paxis and making Star Wars leaks, this is that. I think I know where you're getting at. So, uh, so I guess my question is, again, okay, two last things that are selfish about me. On this podcast, back in August, I read a lot of the Jedi Paxis and making Star Wars leaks. Okay. Was that a wrong thing to do now in retrospect? If I wanted to go into this movie unspoiled. Yes. <laughs> Oh dear! All right, nobody, nobody, go listen to all of our episodes for the summer. That's, <laughs> I might have to take those offline for a couple of days. Well, well, uh, let me ask you this: since you read a, since you read a, and I, well, okay, let me. Uh, oh boy, this is not going to make you happy. So, ah, uh, that was the only time that I fully read those top to bottom. Sure. And so. There's been addendums to it that I've avoided because there's certain because I know the big beats, but I've sort of I've I've left some stuff off the table just so uh, when I go into the movie, I don't know, like every single moment kind of thing. Uh, there's a lot of connective tissue that I'm very confused by that I'm looking forward to see uh, play out. But um, no, I mean, I, that, the majority of what I know is because that hasn't really changed all that much apart from some minor things back and forth. Most of the beats are uh are pretty spot on. So I guess I'll ask you, when you read those leaks back in August, what were your feelings about the film? I've tried Based to off of those. I've tried to block a lot of that out of my mind. Once you started feeding me information a couple months ago being like, oh, seems like okay, everybody the few people I do talk to about this, um the the, the word Jedi Pax shows up a lot. And I've tried to block a lot of that stuff out there. I remember back, I think it maybe was October. I could be wrong. Um, Rob and I did an entire episode where we kind of went into the uh, the world between worlds of Rebels and the Mortis trilogy. And there was two, I had two breaking points. One of them I completely forget. And the other one was if there's a moment in this film where Luke, Luke goes to Ray and apologizes to her, very, not apologizes, but let's say Ray and Luke have a very similar moment as Obi Wan and Luke do on Dagobah, where Luke basically. Tells Ray the equivalent of from a certain point of view, but instead of it being that, it's oh, I'm sorry for the last Jedi. Forget that movie. That was I, that wasn't me. You know what? I had a bad, I had some bad fish that morning. Ignore how I behaved for that weekend, and that's kind of one. And that's what I was saying earlier is that if we get a moment in this where it's even again, if it's the most subtle thing ever, that we're apologizing for the last Jedi. That is a I don't want to say a deal breaker because I'm not a child. But it's like that's something that will be, it will drive me up a wall and it'll take me out of the movie. If we, that's kind of my biggest thing. If we get a moment that apologizes for the last Jedi, and especially if it's Luke, I don't care if it's Leia saying, you know what, you know that time I flew through space, I had a little jetpack on my ankles, nobody saw it. Don't don't tell Finn, he'll be devastated that I can't fly. If we get that's fine. If they want to apologize for that, I don't care. But I love the like one of my favorite moments in Star Wars is the moment of Ray handing him the lightsaber and he literally throws it away. That will always be one of my favorite moments because it took all of the two years of fan anticipation and entitlement, and Ryan Johnson threw it away. And I'm like, oh, oh, this is great. And if we get a moment where Luke goes, nah, you know what? That wasn't me that day. That will drive me up a wall if that happens. And it's right. very specific. That's here's, very specific the here's, the con- here, here's the context. Um, and this doesn't spoil anything. Um, my understanding is the Luke that we get in The Rise of Skywalker is, the, is an extension of the Luke that we saw at the very end of The Last Jedi. And that's where I think 
people are going to have to be intellectually honest about their critique and <laughs> people are also going to conveniently forget about how Luke was at the, cause they already do people that pitch a fit about Luke in the last Jedi always seem to dismiss the fact that at the end of that film, he became everything that they wanted him to become. Yes. They ignore that. Right. Oh yeah. Okay. So that's that always pisses me off. Oh, it's not, you know, he screwed up Luke and he was supposed to be. Well, yeah, at the end of the movie, he was. Mm -hmm. He ended up becoming that incredible Jedi that did this thing that Kylo Ren couldn't do and Rey couldn't do because the effort would kill her. They conveniently forget that he became that badass Jedi at the end of the last of the last Jedi. So the the, the Luke Skywalker, oh, we're gonna have to have a conversation when the show's over. Uh -huh. The Luke Skywalker that we're gonna get based off of what I know in The Rise of Skywalker, is a direct extension of the Luke that okay. delivered at the end of The Last Jedi. So keep that in mind. All right, so you know what I'm going to do? Because I know we're, I have no idea if this will ever make it to YouTube. But I think John... I don't know if John's ever brought it up on his show, and I don't think I've ever mentioned it on here. Again, my favorite incarnation of Luke... Is Last Jedi Luke at the end? Mm -hmm. Whether it be the little the little figure at the end I made John a couple months ago, it's That's the awesome. only time. It's the only time I've ever purchased a Hot Toys figure. This character and his incarnation at the end of the film is again. This is me being selfish. This is my equivalent of not my Star Wars. Is that incarnation of the character is everything? And if they do anything again, this is head canon. This is wrong to think this way. But I am human. That if they do anything to infringe upon that, no. that's one of my no. You don't no no infringing on Luke at the end of the Last Jedi. No. All right. That that makes me feel better. That that makes it'll be that, no. It, it'll be it'll be because he came back, right? I mean, that was the whole yes. point. I mean, he came back. The whole point was that he was in a bad place, and people didn't people that watched it didn't like it, but they refused to admit the fact that it was actually JJ that put him there. Mm -hmm. um, anyway. <laughs> that always pisses me off, by the way. They always get mad at Ryan. It's like, JJ's the one that put him on the freaking island. Han Solo was the one who said that he, you know, turned his back on. Anyway, no, no. For what I know, uh, no. This is Luke back to form after having, you know, made making the ultimate sacrifice. And he's he's there as the as the men, as the mentor that sure that and the and the character that we saw at the end of the Last Jedi. So. Okay, so again, it's again. This is all again. This is a lot of uh, God. Third, you're gonna call me Thursday and be like, John, it was lies. You lied to me. That's well, I, I, I genuinely, I've been really struggling with how I'm going to react to this film because I, I don't think I, I don't think I've said it so far on here is that I'm seeing the film Thursday night by myself and in the sense of obviously uh, without people I know because the people who I was supposed to go see it with they have plans that night, so I'm going to see it with them the next day. So I'm seeing it Thursday night twice Friday. And then I'm seeing it again Monday afternoon. The thing with The Last Jedi was I saw it opening night and I didn't go back and see it again for at least, I think, two, two or three weeks. Oh, wow. So I had like I had a lot of time. Because like you said, when I walked out, I, remember, I can still remember when The Last Jedi ended. I kind of like leaned forward in my seat and I said like, well, that was a movie. And I really did like any good piece of art. I didn't know what to make of it the first time I watched it. And then as the, the days, the weeks went on and you had this very, very hostile environment in the star Wars fan base, I kind of said, huh, I started thinking about it more. And then I eventually saw it as a, I saw it back to back on new year's day 
And as you can imagine, on New Year's Day, it was a packed theater both times. And it was so much fun seeing the film with a crowd that really hadn't seen it before. They, they cheered in the good cheer, not the Captain America picking up Thor's hammer, but they cheered when Luke sits there, kind of like he brushes the dust off of his shoulders on crate. And that's the sort of thing I'm afraid about this movie. I feel like maybe I'm, going, I'm overindulging in it a little too prematurely. Because as you know, like if you see something and you know it's going to be a while until you see it again, you, you take it easy. You don't try to process it all at once. I think you even mentioned that. It's the idea of processing this film. It's, good. it's two and a half hours long, give or take. And it's going to be, okay, once the movie's finished, the job is now on our shoulders in the sense of how, how we're going to reconcile it with, with its place now in Star Wars canon. Right. And again, this is me being selfish again, but it's like, I don't know how that's going to work kind of indulging on it so much of it so fast. Like, am I going to give myself Rise of Skywalker indigestion? <laughs> hey, good luck, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the correct answer to that question, yeah, folks. Yeah, yeah it's good the luck with answer. that. Yeah, because I'm going, I'm going Thursday night, uh, and then I have 10 o'clock for Friday morning, and then I have uh, 10 o'clock for Saturday morning. Okay, so you're, uh, you're, doing a, you're doing a triple feature. Yeah, I'm doing. Yeah, I'm gonna go uh, three days in a row. And I got my uh, and my dad's coming into town on Wednesday, so which is cool because he took me to go see the first one, very nice, uh, seventy-seven. So we get to close it out. So yeah, this is. I mean, for me, it's gonna be just a big movie from that, okay. from that aspect of it. You know, it's funny too, just kind of going full circle. It's interesting because I, I think there's, I think for a lot of people, it's a much bigger deal, but that's not really being talked about nearly as much. It doesn't seem like Disney tried to really drive home the. F I know they did, but they but they didn't. This whole idea that this is the final film of a nine movie arc, um, I think they tried to, but I don't think they really succeeded in sort of driving that point home. And I don't think they really had to because that audience, like me, that saw that first one in the theater back in seventy seven, you know, I mean, that's a very smaller, you know, it's a much smaller portion of the uh, of the audience now. I mean, we got to take our kids and all that kind of stuff to see it. Um, but this this should feel like more of a more of an end game than it does. I think kind of going sure. back to what you were talking about at the start of the show, you know, for good or bad, I don't know. That's that's something that happens that it has to happen organically. Um, and and it hasn't really happened organically, even though I think there is a lot of hype for the for, for the movie. But for me, um, it's incredibly emotional. I mean, having this sure. actually be the last movie in this particular in this particular series. Uh, you know, and having seen that first one in the theater. So uh, I haven't even really begun to think about it in that way. And I've sort of been pushing it aside. I'm like, you know what? I'll save those emotions for the last few days to help me close the gap before the film on, on Thursday. But like today in doing this podcast, I was like, I even forgot about doing the show this week. Like I did the show, I put it up and then I went, oh man, I really should have zeroed in on how this was the yep. going to be the last one. Yep. But I just, it just didn't even, didn't really register. But now it is. And and uh, for that, I'm, I am, uh, I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a whole new world next week, John. A yeah. whole new world. <laughs> All right. I know, right? Okay, with that being said, so concludes this episode of the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Check out our Facebook group. 
Type in Knights of Vader in the Facebook, and chances are you'll find us there waiting for you. Find us on Instagram at KOV Podcast. Shoot us an email, kovpodcast at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to us on. Thank you to An Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. Check out the show notes to hear more from them. If you're interested in a Knights of Vader t-shirt, check out the show notes. You certainly won't be disappointed. For questions, comments, concerns, or snide remarks, contact me, Zach, on Twitter, at Cinemodies. And come join me on the Cinemodies podcast as Rob and I step in the problematic swamp with Song of the South and Captain EO. Yes, folks, Rob and I are going to kill this. Yeah, we're doing both Michael Jackson and the racist Disney film. Nothing bad could possibly happen to us. See, we live on the wild side when it comes to uh, Cinemodies, John. But... When you're not listening to the Cinemodies podcast or this podcast, where can people check out you, John? Uh, so you can go to uh, Twitter, uh, John J O N Justice, or at uh, the My Nerd World. You can also go to MyNerdWorld.net. And uh, real quick promotional plug: so I've written my books. Third one's done. I'm editing it right now. But more importantly, I think by the time you're releasing this, the voting will still be open. If you go to uh, TailFlick.com tailflick.com uh it is a uh, it is a book curating site that's tied to hollywood directors and producers so you put your book up there and um directors and producers have access to their their files and they can go in and look at books you know that they could potentially go and make into into feature films or live action shows um embark was chosen as a part of a uh, one of their first contests Wow. And voting is open right now. And the grand prize uh, winner gets a meeting with producers and directors uh, with the possibility of having your book turned into some form of live action. So if you go to tailflick.com, you can uh, vote right there one time on the homepage. So stop and go do that and vote for Embark because that was my goal all along was to make that into a, a film at some point in time. Or at least that was the dream. That is the dream. Um, so this is a good opportunity to, to make that happen. So go to Tailflick and vote for Embark. Cool beans, folks. Check out the show notes. I will certainly put a link in there. And I know I'll be creating multiple accounts and submitting submissions. So uh, <laughs> wink, wink. I mean, I mean, only voting once. I mean, I will right. only be voting once. No ballot uh, stuffing. But unless no. you want to ballot stuff. No. All righty, John. It's always a pleasure having you on. Thanks, man. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely be having you on sometime next month, whether it be me on your show or you're on here again, because we need to talk about this film, I would imagine, at some point in an official capacity. One, two, three. <laughs> Thank you for having me, man. Always appreciate it. It's always a pleasure, John. Until next week, folks. Good night, but not goodbye. And as always, remember Alderaan and down with the Empire. <laughs>